Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. Last week was Thanksgiving, and it got me to thinking about what attorneys might be thankful for. In particular, I was thinking about plaintiff's attorneys. Those are the ones who represent employees against employers. I came up with a list of things that make them thankful, and I'm going to share it in this episode. So let's jump right in. Number one, having no documentation. If you're an attorney considering a lawsuit against your client's former employer, it doesn't help if the employer has a file full of documents that back up their perfectly legal, non-discriminatory reasons for the termination. By contrast, you will be thankful if the employer has no documentation to support their actions. One of my long-standing rules for employment law is that if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. And unfortunately, plaintiff's attorneys have much to be thankful for in my experience. I see it again and again. An employer terminates an employee for a good reason, like chronic absenteeism or poor performance, but there's no documentation to support the decision. Without documentation, cases just become swearing contests, with witnesses relying on little more than their opinions and recollections of events that often occurred months or years before. I can recall one memorable case years ago where a manager had an employee on intermittent FMLA leave. He kept a pad of paper in his office, and when she was later absent, he would ask her for the reason and write it on the pad. He then advised human resources of the reason so the absences could be counted against FMLA or not, depending on whatever the reason was. You know what he did with the notes after that? When the pad was filled up, he threw it away and got a new one. She was later terminated and filed a lawsuit, and it was a big problem in the case that there were not accurate records of her reasons for being absent and that the records that had been created were destroyed. If an employer wants to terminate an employee for any issue that occurred over time, there should be good documentation establishing the issue. Number two, having inconsistent documentation. You know what can be worse than no documentation? Inconsistent documentation. This is another issue that must make plaintiff's attorneys thankful. This is the most common scenario. An employee is terminated for poor performance and files a lawsuit. Managers say the employee was awful, had to go. But for some reason, all of the employee's performance reviews were positive or at least neutral. Another classic scenario I've seen many times is the formula for the reduction in force or restructuring that cannot be recreated after the fact. The initial position is that there was a multi-factor formula to decide who would lose their employment and who would stay, but after the fact, a lawsuit is filed. Of course, we go back and run the same data to ensure that the same results come out, but it doesn't work, and no one can explain why. Scoff if you like, but I've had that scenario come up many times. Bottom line, documentation needs to be consistent and support the employer's position. Number three, not giving a reason for termination. I have a theory that sometime years ago, there was a seminar where managers were told that you can't get in trouble if you simply refuse to tell the employee why their employment is being terminated. It must have been pretty popular, because I still run across this position from time to time. First, to those who like it, I'll say this, you are correct, there is not a legal obligation to give the employee a reason for for the termination decision, at least not at the time of the termination. However, that does not mean it's a good idea to withhold that information. Like politicians and meteorologists, a lot of people don't have self-awareness regarding the quality of their work. If you don't give them a reason, they assume the worst. Also, 
you will inevitably be accused of making up the reason after the fact if there is a lawsuit. The best policy is to be brutally honest with the employee. Number four, giving a false reason for termination. One issue that comes up in most discrimination cases is the issue of pretext. This is a legal term that means the plaintiff employee has to show that the employer's stated reason for termination is false and the real reason is discriminatory animus. So a false reason gets the plaintiff halfway there and makes the employer look really bad. That should make any plaintiff's attorney thankful. You may ask, why would someone do that? Usually it comes out of fear of being mean or judgmental. I've heard many managers say that they needed to let an employee go because they were terrible at the job, but they didn't want to hurt their feelings, so they just told him they didn't need him anymore or there wasn't enough work or something like that. Of course, when the employee's former co-workers tell them that a replacement was immediately hired or when they see a job posting for their old job, they naturally wonder what happened and they may go to an attorney who will be thankful to hear all of this. Giving a false reason for a termination decision is always a bad idea. Number five, inconsistent application of the rules. In employment litigation, plaintiff's attorneys are always looking for inconsistent application of rules or standards. Can you imagine how thankful they must be when they find it? Obviously, rules need to be enforced uniformly, but in the real world, that often does not happen. And now, of course, the reason might not be discrimination, but it certainly opens the door to that argument. I can recall one memorable case where an employee who had been injured on the job and requested an accommodation was later terminated for sleeping on the job. Even though the employee was protected because of the accommodation request, you still might think that sleeping on the job is a pretty solid basis for a termination. And to be clear, there was no question about whether the employee was sleeping on the job. It definitely happened and was witnessed by multiple people. The problem, of course, was that other people had been caught sleeping on the job and had not been terminated. Some received lesser discipline, and some received no discipline. What was the explanation? Unfortunately, there really wasn't one. The rule was poorly understood and inconsistently applied, and as a result, the employer had to settle the case for a sizable amount. Uniform application of rules is critical to avoid and defend employment claims. Number six, management disagreement. Are you thankful when someone does your work for you? So are plaintiff's attorneys. When managers who are involved in a decision have inconsistent views on critical issues, it makes the plaintiff's case much stronger. This comes up frequently in a scenario where one one manager is adamant about a decision and another is either bullied into going along or doesn't want to make waves. The problem comes after a lawsuit is filed and the managers have to testify. One is adamant that the plaintiff employee was awful and had to be terminated. The other, not so much or worse, concedes that they disagreed with the decision but went along. This kind of inconsistency can be disastrous for the defense of a case, but it happens surprisingly often. Managers need to be careful and ensure that they have a consensus on termination decisions. Finger-pointing is a bad look in litigation. Number seven, not getting the employee's side of the story. One of the most common mistakes in workplace investigations is a failure to ask the employee being investigated for their side of the story. Most people are uncomfortable in tense confrontational situations and, like politicians and meteorologists, may simply blurt out the truth or tell such an outrageous lie that it's obvious. Most accurate Doppler radar. Right. 
If the employee is never put in that situation, the plaintiff's attorney representing them has a blank slate to work with and can help the employee craft the best possible position. One can rest assured that the plaintiff's attorney is thankful for that blank slate. Always get the employee's side of the story. Number eight, bad optics. I just saw a news article the other day about a company called United Furniture terminating 2,700 employees by email and text messages right before Thanksgiving. Not surprisingly, they're being sued. Putting aside legal issues, plaintiff's attorneys are thankful when employers take action that seem designed to make the average person despise them. Terminating a large number of employees right before a holiday in this way is enough to put anyone in a punitive mood, including jurors. How a situation is handled, the optics, is something that employers need to consider in the context of employment decisions. Sometimes even a sound legal position can be trumped by bad optics. Juries often side with their sympathies rather than the strict legal analysis they're instructed to follow. This is part of the system, and a smart employer keeps that in mind. I've encountered a lot of bad optics over the years, and here are a few examples. Terminating a pregnant employee going through a divorce for minor attendance issues. Terminating an employee with cancer for failing to meet her sales quota. Perp walking terminated employees out of the building in front of their co-workers. And terminating employees right before the holidays. As to that last one, I have a rule that barring an extreme situation, employers should try to avoid termination between the first week of December and the first week of January. If there is litigation, you will be painted as a horrible Scrooge who ruined the holidays for small children and kittens. Even beyond that, employers should always consider how their actions will appear to others and treat people with dignity and respect. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.